Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 82 of Law for Virginia Law Enforcement Officers. And we're talking about law. What do you need to know as a law enforcement officer in the Commonwealth of Virginia to better strengthen and serve your communities? Today, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to talk about the General Assembly for 2023. Usually, we talk about actual law. We talk about cases from the Court of Appeals, new statutes, uh, actual existing law. But I think it's interesting and, and worthwhile, and, and a lot of people ask about it all the time, what's going on with the General Assembly? What is happening? What might happen as far as laws to come uh, for the next year? I know when I do my trainings, people are always asking, hey, aren't they going to try to fix this? Are they going to uh, tighten up on this or relax on that? So I think it's worthwhile to kind of look at what the trends are and what people are proposing because it helps us to understand how the law ends up being the way it is or why certain things don't get fixed. So today, I want to talk about uh, a couple of different things. I want to talk about first, talk about the new proposed changes to marijuana regulation in Virginia. And I think it really gives us a good chance to kind of review where we are regarding marijuana and hemp and cannabis in Virginia. And then I want to talk about a couple of interesting statutes regarding investigations that are proposals uh, that I just think are just sort of interesting to talk about. <clears throat> they are, uh, you know, whether they pass or not, I think it's interesting to talk about the issues they raise. And then at the end, I want to talk about the several proposals there are to bring back law enforcement ability to stop people for committing various traffic violations and also potentially to do searches based on the odor of marijuana. So what those statutes are, what those proposals are, how they're structured, and uh, we can talk about those as well. So let's kick it off by talking about marijuana. It's worthwhile always to step back and remember where we are regarding marijuana in Virginia. So uh, a number of years ago, marijuana was illegal. It was illegal to possess. It was illegal to sell. And then the General Assembly decided to decriminalize marijuana. So it was no longer criminal punishment to possess marijuana. But uh, the distribution of marijuana, the possession with intent to distribute, was still a crime. And then the General Assembly passed a big bill, part of which legalized the simple possession of marijuana. So it is lawful in Virginia to simply possess marijuana. And it is also lawful to grow very small amounts of marijuana and to share small amounts of marijuana without uh, getting any money or getting anything in exchange for it. But the total bill to legalize the sale of marijuana, the manufacture for sale of marijuana, create an actual market for marijuana, for actual marijuana in Virginia, uh, was passed, but it required the General Assembly to pass it again the next year, and that didn't happen. So as a result, that whole structure for manufacturing retail marijuana and then selling retail marijuana and having stores and so on doesn't exist in Virginia, and we have no system for that. And so there are proposals this year to bring that back, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But in the meantime, it's interesting to note sort of what's happened, because you can't really go a whole lot of places in Virginia without seeing a lot of stores that appear on the face of it, frankly, to be selling marijuana, right? You see stores, you know, cannabis store or CBD store um, or stores selling stuff that's got THC in it. And it's sort of, 
head scratching because it makes you think, wait, hang on a second here. I thought we didn't legalize marijuana. And this place is saying, oh, we're going to sell you this thing that has 30% THC or we're going to sell you this thing and it's cannabis. And and so it's kind of worth talking about kind of stepping back for a second and saying, Are, what is happening? <laughs> right? I thought we didn't legalize marijuana. I thought we didn't legalize manufacturing and so on. How are these stores all functioning? And so it's worth kind of maybe stepping back for a second and saying, all right, well, let's talk about what marijuana is, what it is legally, and then what's happened as a result of sort of these baby steps towards legalization of marijuana. So when we talk about the plant that grows, that's the cannabis plant. And the cannabis plant produces lots of different things, right? And, you know, obviously people make, turn it, you know, use to make hemp and blah, blah, blah. When somebody is turning that into marijuana, they're taking it, they're harvesting it, they're turning it into either a plant material to smoke or they're using, they're turning it into an oil or something to put in food. They, the intoxicating part of it, the thing that we look for in the plant to determine whether or not it's the illegal thing that we call marijuana when we're testing for that chemically, we're testing for something called THC uh, and it's delta-9 THC. So delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol. And legally speaking in Virginia, uh, when the Department of Forensic Science is doing a certificate of analysis and saying this thing is the thing we call marijuana, the unlawful to, to sell substance, they're testing for delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol. And that is the naturally occurring substance uh, inside of marijuana uh, that we trip- typically think of as the thing that you know gets people high. Well, that is a one particular substance, delta-9 THC. But when you say delta-9, that's like a molecule, right? So you could move different things around on that molecule chemically to make another molecule. And you'd have to do that in the lab. But that's exactly what people have started to do in order to avoid violating the law in not just Virginia, but lots of other states. Because this whole thing about you know looking for delta, uh, delta 9 THC is something that labs do all over the United States. So I could produce, theoretically, a substance that had THC in it, and the THC level might be very high, and the THC might give you some kind of effect. But if it's not delta-9 THC, then a lab is not going to detect it because their equipment doesn't detect it because they're not looking for it, and so it's not going to come back as marijuana. Now, I'm going to have to do that chemically. I can't grow it, at least at this point, it's not practical or not really uh, been observed to take place where people are growing a plant that produces delta-8 THC. Naturally speaking, uh, if you were to harvest a plant and look for delta-8 THC, you might find it in very minuscule amounts, but it would be an incredibly small amount. Uh, It doesn't really naturally occur. But in the lab, I can produce a lot of delta-8 THC if I can, you know, if I'm, if I'm chemically altering substances, I can make, I can chemically alter um, uh, uh, you know, marijuana to produce or to, <clears throat> to produce THC-8, delta-8 THC. 
I can produce delta 7 THC. I can produce delta 10 THC, delta, you know, 6A, B, whatever. I can do all these different things to change that chemical and thereby avoid the law. These are all variations or what chemically we call isomers of, uh, of THC, of delta 9 THC. So when, now how is it that any of this started happening? In other words, there had to be something that triggered this, right? There had to be something that sort of opened up the floodgates. And the answer is, it was in a lot of ways, the 2018 Farm Bill, the United States government's 2018 Farm Bill. And in the 2018 Farm Bill, the government legalized the sale of hemp and made it basically an exception to the ban, the federal ban on marijuana. So I couldn't grow any kind of marijuana plant, THC, 8, 7, 6, 12, whatever. I couldn't grow marijuana plants federally until 2018. But in 2018, what the United States government said was that it was lawful throughout the United States, in any state, to uh, grow and produce hemp. And hemp was defined as a basically a product with 0.3% percent or less THC, and by THC we mean delta 9, generally speaking THC, uh, but 0.3 percent or less THC. And so Virginia enacted a similar rule and said, okay, as long as you have 0.3 percent or less delta 9 THC, uh, then you could lawfully buy and sell uh, hemp. And so we have this explosion in Virginia of sales of hemp, quote unquote, and that which is to say any product that has less than 0.3% delta 9 THC. So you'll have people who are selling a product and it will say, you know, 20% THC. Well, what they mean by that is probably, I'm guessing, 20% uh, delta 8 THC or 20% delta 7 THC or 20% delta 10 THC but not the delta 9 THC that you have to have 0.3% or less because they've chemically altered the substance in order to draw that out. So, um, you know, in a lot of ways, what we have is this weird gray market that's been created by the fact that we legalized hemp, but we didn't legalize marijuana. We were going to legalize marijuana and then we didn't. And so we have this weird gray zone. So there's different solutions to this problem coming out this year from the General Assembly. And they kind of fall into three categories. Uh, number one would be to ban or highly regulate all these hemp products, the you know Delta 8 stuff or whatever kind of hemp it is, you know, come up with some kind of regulations to crack down on the hemp. The other direction would be to expand hemp or for that matter, <clears throat> to expand and simply set up a retail marijuana market. And there's several different bills that would seek to do that as well. And then the third is to do something in between, right? To go around and, and, and try to um, either allow for more hemp or allow for more um, medical marijuana, for example. So let's take a look at a, little, a couple of different bills. So um, the, the, I think the, the, the bill that does the most to crack down on this is the governor's bill. And the governor's bill um, is in both the House and the Senate. It is in the House. It's uh, House Bill 1973. And the patron there is Leftwich. And in the Senate, it is Senate Bill 903. And that's Emmett Hanger. 
And what this would do was to seek to regulate hemp products and the retail sales of industrial hemp. So essentially it would, it would require the Department of Agriculture to regulate and control the sales of not just Delta 9 THC, but um, Delta 7, 8, 9, whatever, any kind of product that is uh, derived from the, uh, the, 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 the plant, <clears throat> right, from industrial hemp, right? And then it says, all right, we're not just going to look at whether it has 0.3% Delta 9 THC. We're going to look at 0.3% all THC, Delta 7, 8, 10, whatever, whatever. It's going to be the whole thing. Uh, and then it will have a crime for selling unregulated or unpermitted THC. So it puts regulation under the Department of Agriculture, which is interesting because we have the Cannabis Control Authority, which was created ostensibly for the regulation of marijuana, but they don't have a whole lot to do right now because we don't have a retail marijuana market in place yet. Um, now, on the other hand, uh, you also have uh, a bill that would transfer authority over hemp sales to the Cannabis Control Authority. And that, uh, for example, is Senate Bill 1113, uh, which is from Adam Eben. And remember, Adam Eben was one of the people who had one of the bills to legalize marijuana. And then in the House, there's House Bill 1750 from Delegate Webbert. Uh, and so, again, this would give authority over hemp sales to the Cannabis Control Authority. So it would fall under 4.1 of the title. And then it would um, set up a whole system for the sale of cannabis. And it would take, in addition to that, sort of take big portions of the legalization of marijuana bill that uh, passed but then didn't pass again a few years later. And it would put them back into effect. So you'd have a bunch of crimes again for selling of marijuana or hemp products or whatever, you know, just going to put it all under cannabis basically. And then say you can't say, you can't unlawfully advertise it, you can't sell it to children, you can't, you have to pay taxes on it, all that kind of stuff. But it basically treats it like marijuana and says that it's going to be um, uh, regulated like marijuana. Now, of course, the other thing you could do is simply to change the definition of marijuana to include delta 8 delta 6 delta whatever uh the isomers of delta 9 so that basically now just instead of saying okay we're just going to regulate thc delta 9 thc we'll delta regulate all the isomers and that's what uh delegate mcguire's bill attempts, attempts to do and that's in house bill 1922 so it doesn't try to do much more than that right it just sort of says okay look we're we're going to focus on this particular uh, chemical, we've, we've been regulating marijuana through Delta 9 THC. Let's just expand it and cover the others so that we get rid of this weird gray market of, you know, these Delta 8 uh, THC products. Now, of course, there are people who want to expand uh, the sale of marijuana and the sale of uh, hemp and these other, you know, Delta whatever products. And so, for example, uh, there's House Bill 2265 from Delegate Witt, which simply tries to say, okay, look, let's just raise it from 0.3% to uh, 1% Delta 9 THC to allow for more um, actual naturally occurring Delta 9 THC to show up in the, um, in the products that are being produced lawfully right now under industrial hemp. Because again, these other sort of knockoff things are um, you know, lab created or artificially created, and, and who knows what, 
you know, if you're going to a vape store, for example, and getting some Delta 8 THC thing from a vape store and it's in a cartridge, I mean, you know, who knows what's in that cartridge? Who knows who produced that cartridge? What kinds of chemical processes or substances were used to create that? Um, you know, there certainly you're getting, well, I mean, you don't know what you're getting. So uh, this sort of says, all right, let's just focus on the natural growth and thing. The other thing that you've seen this year, which is interesting, is attempts to expand medical marijuana. Now, it's easy in this whole debate to forget that we have medical marijuana in Virginia. And it is regulated by the Board of Pharmacy. Now, we've talked about the Department of Agriculture. We've, depart about, we've talked about the Virginia Cannabis Control Authority. We haven't talked about the, the Board of Pharmacy, who regulates our medical marijuana practice in Virginia. And it's worth remembering how medical marijuana works in Virginia. In Virginia, the way that medical marijuana works is you have to go to either a doctor or a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant and get a certification that the that medical marijuana uh, will may excuse me may treat or alleviate the symptoms of some diagnosed condition or disease. So this the reason you can't get a prescription for marijuana is that federally speaking, marijuana is still illegal. And so anyone who has the lawful authority to write a prescription would lose that if they wrote a prescription for marijuana, the DEA would take their license away because you can't write a prescription for marijuana. So all you can do is write a certification to somebody that says, hey, marijuana might help you. Uh, and so with that certification under our medical marijuana statute and many others throughout the United States, you can go to a dispensary uh, a place that sell you know that sells mar medical marijuana and they will give you medical marijuana so uh, House bill 1846 which is from delegate her uh, delegate head would permit the the medical uh, the, the cannabis dispensary itself to write that certification the cannabis dispensary could have its own pharmacists who would write you a certification that marijuana might help you so you could go to a dispensary and there would be a pharmacist there and you'd say i have this condition and they'd say oh well marijuana might help you and oh by the way we sell marijuana and here you go so uh, that's what that would seek to do um, there are also <clears throat> other bills that would seek to expand medical uh, marijuana House Bill 1598 is a bill from Delegate Robinson uh, that would simply put an end to having the Board of Pharmacy regulate medical marijuana and put it under the Cannabis Control Authority so that one group basically controls or one body controls the, yeah, the, issue, the, the regulation of marijuana. Okay, so a couple of other bills that I want to talk about that are sort of interesting, and then we'll talk about the bills to reinstate law enforcement authority to make traffic stops for various offenses. Delegate Glass has two interesting proposals this year, uh, and they're both sort of related to the same topic. So she has House Bill 2051 and House Bill 2066. House Bill 2051 is a bill that would uh, do two different things. The first is it would prohibit law enforcement from making false statements or mis materially representing any fact 
prior to or during a custodial interrogation of a child to secure the cooperation confession or conviction of that child. The second thing it would do would be uh, to prohibit law enforcement in any custodial interrogation, including of an adult, from using any inauthentic replica document while conducting a custodial interrogation to secure from any person their cooperation or confession. So uh, what's interesting is, again, so it says you can't make a materially false statement to a child. Like you couldn't say, hey, kid, I like you. If that's false, then you can't do that. Um, if the kid says, I want a Sprite, and you say, I'm sorry, kid, we don't have any Sprite, and that's not true, you do have Sprite, well, that would be misrepresentation of a fact. So nothing, you can't say anything to a child that's false if you're doing a custodial interrogation of the child. But the interesting thing about this bill is, although it states that it's focusing on children, it actually covers any interview of any person, and it says you can't use any inauthentic replica document. So what's an inauthentic replica document? Well, it basically says it's any document that materially misrepresents a fact. So if you produce a document of some kind, uh, like a printout from a store security video, and the store security video has the wrong time on it, and it's a video of the person shooting and killing somebody, you'd be opening yourself up to violating this statute. If you you know, did an analysis in an embezzlement case of the amount of money that somebody stole and you with the wrong date or you made a math error and you show it to this person and they're like, yeah, I stole all this money. Again, you'd be violating this statute and you'd be opening yourself up to having um, some real problems. Prob you know, maybe the, the statement wouldn't be admissible. So everything that you show somebody has to be 100% accurate. Uh, even, by the way, if they made it themselves, right? Because again, I guess if you produced it, if you printed it out, if you screenshotted it or whatever, um, you'd be opening yourself up to this statute. So those are two, that's, a, that's the first proposal from Delegate Glass. The other is House Bill 2066, uh, which is a similar issue here. This would make it unlawful to make any statement of leniency to a child prior to the interrogation of the child. Now, this is any interrogation. This isn't just custodial interrogation. This is talking to a child. This would be talking to a kid on the street, even if the kid didn't have any charges. And what's interesting is when it says statement of leniency or release, it defines that. And it says it's any statement regarding the types or number of charges. So if you arrested a kid or were investigating a kid, you show up to uh, um, a Walmart and the kid is stealing from Walmart or accused of stealing from Walmart. And you say, hey, you know, they accused you of larceny. Um, and that alone would be a co inherently coercive statement. Um, if the, you know, if, if, the, if you show up to a fight and the kid's like, what's, you know, what's wrong with, you know, what's wrong with fighting in the street? Like, you, dude, you can't fight in the street. It, you know, it's disorderly conduct. That would be uh, presumptively coercive. It would be considered to be a coercive statement and would open up to this, the charge, the statement that the child makes to being uh, suppressed. Even if you told somebody, hey, look, there are no charges against you. You just want to talk to the kid. Look, I'm, you're not charged with anything. I just want to talk to you. I just want to interview you. That alone uh, would make, would be coercive, would be considered coercive under the statute. So she has those two bills um, and uh, those are both pending in the House right now. The other uh, topic that came up this year, that's a big topic this year, is, all, is are, are bills to, in some way or another, roll back 
the restrictions on law enforcement's ability to make traffic stops. So as you know, in the special session uh, in 2020, the General Assembly came out and said, all right, there's a whole bunch of offenses in the Virginia Code that will still remain offenses. They're still unlawful, but you can't stop people for them. Um, smoking in a vehicle, having defective equipment, having a tail light out, brake lights out, high mount stop, brake lights out, headlights out, um, exhaust, uh, loud exhaust, unlawful window tinting, seat belts, dangling objects, in inspection stickers, all this stuff there were new restrictions on. And the restrictions, some of them were blanket restrictions. You could never stop anybody for not having their seatbelt on. You can never stop anybody for not having a high mount brake light. You can never stop somebody for... Um, for a loud exhaust. And then since then, they've kind of dialed back on some of that. So the most immediate was they passed the bill that says you can't stop someone from driving without headlights. And to their credit, state police stood up and said, look, that's, you know, that's really, really, really dangerous. And so they said, okay, okay, you can't stop somebody for driving without one headlight. If they at least have one headlight on, though, you can't stop them. But if they have no headlights, yeah, okay, you can stop them. So that got fixed pretty much immediately. Um, but in the meantime, people freaked out because the exhaust issue was out there. So now, you know, and, and so the General Assembly dialed back a little bit on that last year as well, the loud exhaust. So this year, there are five bills pending right now regarding uh, law, uh, restoring law enforcement ability to make lawful authority to make stops for these offenses. And uh, there's House Bill 1703 from Delegate Durant. There's House Bill 1380 from Delegate Campbell. There's Senate Bill 875 from Senator McDougal. There's Senate Bill 1010 from Senator DeSteff. Um, there is uh, House Bill 1445 from Delegate Wyatt. And there is, oh, and we covered that one already. So uh, a couple of different, so five different bills. And they all do things differently. It's, it's interesting. Um, so all of the bills seek to restore law enforcement ability to stop people for defective equipment, for taillight, brake light violations, high mount brake light violations, headlight violations, <clears throat> unlawful window tint, dangling objects, seat belts. But they don't all cover some of the other offenses. So uh, for example, um, the, uh, some of the bills don't cover violations of learner's permits. Some of the bills don't cover smoking in a vehicle or jaywalking or stepping onto a roadway in an improper place. Um, some of them don't cover inspection stickers or the local authority to pass a, a local bill. And in addition to that, only one of the bills, uh, addresses marijuana. Uh, so it, the, as you know, in addition to the restrictions on law enforcement traffic stops in the special session in 2020 and in the marijuana legalization bill in 2021, the part of that that survived, prohibit law enforcement from making a stop or a search that's based solely on the odor of marijuana. So of these five bills that I've mentioned, only House Bill 1445, Delegate Wyatt's bill, would restore law enforcement the, uh, some ability to make a, uh, a stop or a search based on the odor of marijuana. And what's interesting is he doesn't repeal that provision. What he says is, so the statute says now, no law enforcement officer can lawfully stop, search, or seize a person 
and you can't get a search warrant based solely on the odor of marijuana. If you do, then no evidence is admissible in any court. What delegate uh, what the delegate here does in this case, which is interesting, is he says, well, that rule doesn't apply if the odor of marijuana creates reasonable suspicion of a violation of 182266, which is DUI. So he doesn't repeal the, the rule about odor of marijuana. His proposal is, it basically, just like it doesn't apply in airports and just doesn't, like it doesn't apply with commercial motor vehicles, it also wouldn't apply if you were doing a field investigation for DUI and if you smelled the odor of, of marijuana and it gave you reasonable suspicion that somebody was in driving intoxicated, then you could do a further investigation or detention based upon that odor of marijuana. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Again, it's not a total repeal, it's just a proposal. Um, and we'll get a good sense, I think, of, you know, will the House want to do this? Yeah, I mean, I can see the House wanting to do it. Will the Senate want to do it? Um, you know, they were very concerned last year when they allowed law enforcement the ability to do uh, stops for exhaust. Um, they, I, there was definitely a concern that this was going to expand and repeal the entire rest of the code section, the rest of the prohibition, prohibitions. And so we'll see. We don't know. I think Senate Bill 1010 and Senate Bill 875 will give us a bellwether for what, you know, the Senate's level of enthusiasm for repealing these restrictions on law enforcement ability. So we'll see what happens. The House and the Senate started meeting this week, and they're already taking up major bills. And so it, there are plenty of other bills out there that are interesting uh, that we did not talk about today. But I think it gives you an interesting sense of some of the most relevant bills to the kinds of topics we talk about on this podcast. So for me, that's all from me. That's all from Big E. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on uh, Stitcher Podcasts. I think we're on a bunch of other apps as well. If you don't want to use a smartphone or you don't want to use an app, you can just listen to us on SoundCloud. It's a website, and you can listen to that anywhere on any uh, internet-connected device. If you don't like the podcast, don't tell your friends. From me today, that's all from Big E. Stay safe and don't get captured.